I'm glad it's nice and clear. All right, turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Um, today, we're going to be focusing on verses 11 to 15. Um, but what I want us to do is read from verse 6 of chapter 16. Verse 6 of chapter 16, just to get an idea, context of what is going on. By the way, hey, my name's Obed. <laughs> Should have introduced myself if you're new. Um, the pastor of this church, and it's been a blessing um, to be able to serve um, this church. We're coming up to three years, by the way. March 7th will be exactly some people are excited <laughs> some of you didn't know what to do but anyway um yeah we're coming up to three years um as a church and it's been cray cray it really has man and every time we move nearer to one of our anniversaries um you know even now i'm just thinking of our history and um, how much has gone on um, and how much we've experienced. A lot has gone on, but we are still here. And we're not just here, but we are still here and passionate about Jesus more than ever. Amen? Amen, Amen to that. All right. So Acts chapter 16, verses 6, all the way through to 15. All right. And look, as I read, I want you guys to do your very best to stay focused, okay? Um, most of the time, when it gets to this point, and if I was in your shoes and sitting in the seats you're sitting in, I kind of start, a, you know, do a good job beginning to read, and then eventually my mind begins to drift, and I begin to think about what I'm gonna have for lunch, um, begin to think about how hot it is and then I drift but what I want you guys to do is as we read God's word it's no small thing this is like the very words of the living God and we have an opportunity to read it together um, and I want us to do our best to be as focused as possible all right how is that yeah all right I'm going to read follow as long and I'm reading from the ESV by the way um, just to let you know all right all right let's read and they, that is um, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit um, to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go out on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, setting sail... From Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. 
we remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatirae. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, a seller of purple goods who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. All right, let's pray. God, help us. We want to understand. God, we have so many um, questions. Um, we have all come here with some sort of challenge that we're facing. Um, God, we have some anxiety. There's an incredible amounts of difficulty going on in our world and uh, most of us are here and we are affected by it in negative ways. And so God, as we look at your word this morning, which is supposed to be our guide, which is supposed to be our comfort, which is supposed to be everything we need. It's supposed to nurture us and feed our souls. God, I pray that you would um, provide all that we need. Provide all that we need, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in recent weeks, um, what we've been doing is that we've been looking at the life of one of the most influential Christian leaders in history. Um, his birth name was Saul, and that is Saul, for all you Americans. But after going through a radical transformation, he decided to change his name to Paul. Again, that is Paul, for you guys. Um, what happened to him that is overnight he um, transformed from someone who hates Jesus and, and hates Jesus' followers to someone who absolutely loves Jesus to the point where he decided to dedicate his life um, not just to following Jesus but spreading Jesus' message everywhere he went. And so in this episode from the life of Paul, um, Paul's in an interesting place, okay? Um, he's just gone through a major breakup. And wait, he, he's not in a, you know, that kind of relationship. But he's gone through this breakup because what's happened is that after many months together on the mission field, Paul and his good friend and ministry partner, Barnabas, have decided to go their separate ways. Um, how did this happen? They basically disagreed on who should be on the team for their next missionary journey. All right, Barnabas wanted this guy named John Mark, and Paul was like, nah, not John Mark. I don't trust him. Why? Because John Mark um, earlier um, had abandoned them. Like, when it really mattered, um, he had just left them and withdrew from the mission field. And so um, they were not willing to compromise. Um, and so they both decided that, look, it was best that they went their separate ways. And so Barnabas, what he does is he goes east to Cyprus 
and Paul decides to head north to Cilicia. And so what Paul does is he recruits um, these two young up-and-coming leaders um, named Silas and Timothy to his team and now they have arrived in a city called Troas. Everybody say Troas. Gotcha. I made you say that one because it's simple. All right. Um, Troas. And in Troas, Paul is in a weird place. As you can imagine, he's still processing everything that has gone on with Barnabas. Okay. He's also in a frustrating place because... Um, he's not quite sure where God would have him be because not too long ago Paul and his team felt God was calling them to Asia and Bithynia but it just never worked out every attempt they made to get into these regions was successful in fact we read it earlier verse 6 and 7 talks about how God's Spirit prevented them um, from taking the gospel to these regions. Um, and so Paul is in an interesting place. He's just gone through, you know, just separating from a good friend of his. And now he's been prevented to go where he thought God was leading him. Um, and now he's in this weird place. All right. Although Paul's not sure exactly why God stopped him from going into these locations um, the purpose would soon become clear while in Troas Paul has this crazy vision okay and in the vision he sees a man this man is from the region of Macedonia okay and in the vision this man is basically urging him to come over to Macedonia okay let's look at verse 9 again it tells us in verse 9 and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And so Paul wakes up. That's all the information he's got. This guy from Macedonia is urging him to come and help them in Macedonia. And so um, he shares the vision with his team. And they unanimously agree that God is calling them to take the gospel to Macedonia. And this was a big deal. Okay, this was no small thing. Why? Because going to Macedonia would make them the first documented Christian missionaries in Europe. You guys hear that? First documented Christian missionaries in Europe. Ever since Adam and Eve ate the fruit and sin began to dedicate devastate the world God had a plan and his plan has been to redeem and restore his broken creation the book the book of Acts describes a new era of God's rescue plan and um, the church is established and God uses his people the church as part of his rescue plan um, for humanity. Paul the Apostle, as we've been seeing, has been, God is using him in great ways. God really has been. And so this week and next week, what we're going to do is look at their time in Macedonia, Europe, okay? 
And in doing so, we're going to learn some valuable things for how we should be on mission with Jesus in San Diego. Um, this week especially, uh, we're going to understand what it means for us to be involved in God's mission. Okay? In other words, um, how are we supposed to be involved in God's great rescue plan for humanity? What does it look like for you to be involved in all that God is doing in saving people in San Diego? What does that look like for you if you're a student? What does that look like for you if you're a parent? What does that look like for you if you're a resident? What does that look like for you if you're in the military? What does it look like? How should you um, be involved in God's great rescue plan for humanity? First, our role in God's rescue plan for humanity is to, um, first, sorry, we're, we're to be involved in God's rescue plan for humanity by being a visible presence. That's the first thing. If you're making notes, a visible presence. Look at verse 11 and 12 again. It says, Woo! It's windy. I like it. All right, verse 11 and 12. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And so Paul and his team, all right, they decide that Macedonia it is. God is calling us there. And so the fastest way to Macedonia um, from Troas was by sea. And so they bought, um, they bought a boat and sailed first to an island of the island of Samothrace. From there, it's a smooth sail. Um, kind of north to Neapolis, and Neapolis was a port, a port city of Macedonia. Um, and so from Neapolis, what Paul and his team do is walk inland north to the city of Philippi. And Philippi, if you look at verse 12 again, is described as a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. All right, some, some history here about Philippi at the time. Um, it was a Roman colony and it was one of the largest cities in ancient Macedonia. Um, most of the population there were Latin-speaking Roman citizens who were retired military personnel. Okay, and, and so that's an idea of what Philippi was like at the time. And so after Paul and his team arrived in Philippi, um, they're confident and they're excited to see God move powerfully because God had made it clear to them um, through Paul's vision that they were supposed to be in Macedonia. And so they decide to go to Philippi, which is in Macedonia. And look at verse 13. It says, And on the Sabbath they went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. And so... What Paul does, the first Sabbath day in Philippi, they go to a place of prayer, uh, which is located outside the city um, by a river. Uh, and so this is unlike Paul, because as we've been looking at Acts, you guys have noticed this, that every time Paul arrived in a new city, what did he do? He would go to the synagogue, okay? And he would 
um, um, begin to share the gospel there. Right now in Philippi, he doesn't go to a synagogue, but he goes to this place of prayer outside the city by the riverside. And so why is this? Why hasn't Paul decided to go to a synagogue? This is because there was no synagogue in Philippi at the time. And this wasn't because there wasn't any followers of Judaism there, but because there wasn't enough men to establish one. Um, R. Kent Hughes, who's an amazing pastor and author, um, gives us, uh, you know, helps us understand why. He says, according to Jewish tradition, there had to be a quorum of at least 10 male heads of households before a synagogue could be formed. If these requirements could not be met, the faithful um, were to meet under the open sky near a river or sea. Okay, and so that's what's going on. So without the necessary requirements to establish a synagogue, the Jews in Philippi, what they did was they just met for religious worship outside, right? And they called this place a place of prayer. And so somehow Paul and his friends get wind of Jews meeting there for prayer, and so on the Sabbath they go to join them. As I've said before, whenever Paul arrived in a new city, what did he do? He would go to the local synagogue on the Sabbath, or he would go to the marketplace, or his goal was just being at a place where the majority of people gathered. And he did this why? So that he could engage um, with them and share the gospel with them. And so for us, as we're looking at Paul's custom in, in going to places where people gather, this is what we can learn. As we participate in God's epic rescue plan for humanity, we should do the same. We should be a visible presence in this city okay and being a visible presence doesn't mean you live here okay you can <laughs> it just doesn't mean that's not what i mean by that what i mean is that by being a visible presence is for us to intentionally spend time in places where people who need Jesus gather. In other words, being a visible presence means spending time with people that need the gospel, um, that need to be rescued from their sins by faith in Jesus Christ. I've said this a million times, and I'm going to say it again, okay? Each and every one of us, if you are a Christian and you are a follower of Jesus, we're not primarily here in San Diego to work, to advance our career or study and get good grades. We're not even here to just go to church on Sundays and gather with our community groups during the week. All of these things are good, um, but we're not here for ourselves and we're not here to be in this Christian bubble. Our goal as follower of Jesus is not just to do life with members of the church but we're expected to be on mission with Jesus and being on mission with Jesus means being a visible presence in this city and being a visible presence means being intentional 
about spending time with people that need the gospel so that you can engage in gospel conversations with them. And there's so many ways that could work out. And so the question I want you guys to think about this week is for you to look at your weekly rhythms and for you to look at all that you have, all that you do each and every week and ask yourself, um, how can I be a visible presence in this city? How can I be a visible presence in this city next we're not just called to be a visible presence um, in san diego but we're called to also share the gospel we're called to share the gospel and so um, it, look at our story uh, look at verse 13 again and it's and it says and on the sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Right, stop right there. And so they're intentional about being visibly present, all right? And then when they get there, what are they doing? They're speaking to the people there. And they're sharing the gospel. And so as we think about us being visible with our presence, it's important for us to start thinking about the fact that I'm not just talking about us hanging around with non-Christians. I'm not just talking about, oh, let's just find people that need the gospel and have a good time with them. I'm talking about visible presence as us being visibly present so that we can share the gospel. And when I think, when I talk about sharing the gospel, like we've been in Acts since, what, you know, beginning of 2020. And Acts is about us, the church, being on mission. And so you've been hearing it over and over again, like the need to be on mission, the need to share the gospel. And I bet as you hear this, some of you, it doesn't sit right with you. Okay, you hear, share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel. And rather than being excited and inspired to share the gospel, it actually makes you feel discouraged it actually makes you feel guilty because you really haven't been sharing the gospel or you may have had opportunities to share the gospel but you've really not shared the gospel and so i, I get it <laughs> like i struggle with the same thing let me give you an example of that my family and i just moved all right we just moved and we love our place by the way it's awesome and when we, got, when we were checking out the place, we realized that we needed to paint these walls, man. They, they, they were like a brownie color. Um, and I was thinking, man, like it makes the place look so gloomy. So we need to paint the room white. And so we hired a painter and we found this painter because he went around um, where we used to live and put leaflets in our door. And so we called him and he was this young guy um, and he decided to paint our house for us for a really cheap rate. And once he started the job, I automatically thought to myself, man, 
this is a great opportunity for me to share the gospel with him, okay? Because he's kind of coming to our house and he's working for us and he works on his own. And I would, you know, I would go to the house and check out the painting and make sure he's doing a good job. And every time I went to see him work and make sure everything was going on, well, I would, I, I, I would say to myself, man, I need to share the gospel with him. I need to share the gospel with him. I need to take an opportunity. But all of those times, I just wimped out. I wasn't courageous enough to share the gospel with him. And so when we talk about sharing the gospel, I get it. It can really grate on some of you. Rather than it being exciting and inspiring, it can be really discouraging for some of you. And so the question we have to think about right now is, why do we struggle? Why do we find it so hard to preach the gospel and to share the gospel with people? And I've been thinking about this a lot. Of course I have, because, you know, I've been studying it. But I think about it, and I, was think, and I was thinking, if we truly believe that people without Christ will spend eternity without Christ in hell, why am I not inspired to share the gospel more? If we truly believe, if I believe, okay, that people without Christ will remain restless, okay, their souls will remain restless until they find their rest in Jesus Christ, why am I, why are we not sharing the gospel? If we truly believe that Jesus Christ it's the only hope for humanity. Why are we not more inspired to share the gospel with people? If the gospel, and we all believe the gospel is the greatest news, the greatest news for humanity. If we truly believe that, why do we find it hard to share the gospel? Why is there a disinterest within us to share the gospel? And as we think about these questions, we also have to ask, how can we cultivate more of a desire to share the good news of, what, of who Jesus is and what he's done for us? And after thinking about it a little, there's so many things that can motivate us. We can go down the whole, oh, people are going to hell. There's a consequence. You know, we can, we can go down there and that is part of the motivation. But I think um, the most meaningful motivation for us being more willing and more courageous to share the gospel is by simply, and it sounds simple, but it's hard to do, is by us growing in our love for who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's it. Whenever I have a season where I struggle to want to share the gospel, I look at my life and most of the time, I realize that I'm just not where I'm meant to be with Jesus. 
uh, yeah, Jesus is awesome. I in understand intellectually what he done for me and I come to church and I hear it over and over again. But the gospel, in me hearing the gospel, it's just become something that I hear. And it doesn't really affect how I feel about him and what he's done and how I live. And so the challenge for me then is to begin to think, man, like I need to cultivate a love for Jesus. If Jesus is who he said he is and Jesus is the one who truly has saved me and salvation is the greatest experience any human being can have and I have it and it's a gift and it's an amazing experience because from now on all I'm going to do is experience God's grace upon God's grace and God is not just for me and with me now but he's like if all of that is true why doesn't it often move me to excitement and the desire to not only want to live for him but share his grace and love and mercy with others and so for us and so next time for us to hear um, someone exhort us to share the gospel I pray that by then we would have all cultivated such a love for who Jesus is and what he's done. We'll be excited to share the gospel and we would be inspired to share the gospel. In other words, what I'm saying is for us to have a willingness and the courage to share the gospel starts with us understanding the gospel. And the more we understand the gospel, the more we grow to love Jesus who he is and what he's done for us. And so let me just also hit, say that if you're here this morning and um, you have not yet decided, made an informed decision to dedicate your love, li life to Jesus Christ, let me remind you that God right now has brought you here to speak to you through me to help you see that your life, you can experience life to the fullest. You can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life by simply looking to Jesus and trusting him. And so we're not just called as we involve ourselves in the mission of who God is and what he's called us to. We're not just called to be a visible presence and share the gospel, but we are also um, called to recognize that God alone is the one that saves. Look at verse 14. It says, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia. And so there's a group of women who are listening to Paul share about who Jesus is and Jesus as the Messiah. And one of them is called Lydia. Um, who was Lydia? Lydia was from a city of Tyra. Thyatira. Tyra. Um, she was a seller of purple goods. What does that mean anyway? Back then, uh, the, per the color purple was valuable. 
okay, really valuable. And she was a businesswoman who shared clothes that were purple. And so she made a lot of money and she was pretty successful. She was also a worshipper of God. Um, that's an interesting thing because she's a Gentile, she's a non-Jew, but she worships God by being um, dedicated to the Jewish faith. All right. And so as she's listening, look at what happens next. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Um, and so she's listening to Paul. And it's amazing that as she's listening, it says that God opens her heart to pay attention to what Paul is saying. And then verse 15 says, And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And so Lydia um, is listening. And she's saved. Um, and she dedicates her life to Jesus. Um, and she gets baptized as an expression of her new found faith. Lydia was the first known convert to Christ in all of Europe. Um, if you know, you know a bit about the New Testament, Paul wrote a letter to the churches in Philippi called Philippians. And the church in Philippi became central to the mission um, of Christianity in spreading the gospel. Um, and, and I think the key part of what I want to highlight here is that God alone is the one that saves. When we think about our involvement in God's mission, our involvement in being visibly present and sharing the gospel, um, sometimes that can be overwhelming. And it can be overwhelming because we think that someone can only be saved because of what we say and how well we say it. But... The truth is what's really going on when we're sharing the gospel with someone is that, yeah, God is using us as his instrument, but ultimately God is the one that saves. God is the one that opens someone's eyes to see how beautiful Jesus is. Um, it happened in your life. It happened in my life. And as you endeavor to be visibly present by sharing the gospel trust and know that God is at work because a lot of the time we're like just caught up in what can I say I don't know what to say but I would just say just share your testimony talk about how God saved you and trust that God will use whatever you give and he will multiply it and bring about the salvation of people and so members of King's Cross Church May we all answer the call to be part of God's rescue plan to rescue a people from every nation by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. May we do so by being visibly present. May we do so by sharing the gospel. And may we recognize that God alone saves. Let's pray. God, thank you so much this morning God 
Our lives are in your hands. Whatever I have shared, I know it always has its imperfections, but I pray that you would use it. God, I pray for every one of us. I pray that we would be stirred and inspired to share the gospel. And God, we know for that to be a reality in our lives, we need to be um, a people that are captivated by you and what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. And so as we sing uh, about Jesus and what he's done, um, as we reflect on Jesus in our community groups, as we spend time um, reading and praying, God, I pray that you would stir in all of us a passion for Jesus. You're the only one that can do it. We want to be a people that genuinely love Jesus. May you grow our love for Jesus. May we be captivated by him. Uh, may we worship him. May Jesus become more appealing to us than anyone or anything in this world. God, as we endeavor to be on mission with you, help us to say, yes, the Lord. God, we are all available to be used by you. And may the ministry you've called us to, may it flow out of the intimate relationship we have with you. In Jesus' name, amen.